0: mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The story that Jesus tells in today's gospel is, if we have ears to hear it and eyes to see it, absolutely life-giving and liberating. But it is also, at the same time, utterly aggravating and vexing. Jesus tells this story, a familiar story of a, a master of a vineyard who's going out, it's right about this time of year, the harvest is coming in, and so he goes out to find some day laborers, he goes out first thing in the morning, first hour, and he says, hey, you guys, come on, come, help me, I, I work for a denarius a day, a day's wage, they say, cool, great, they go out and they break their backs all day long, they work hard, they want to earn that day's pay, well, throughout the day, the master keeps going out and hiring more workers, you know, at nine o'clock, at noon, at three in the afternoon, on and on it goes. He needs more people to get this harvest in. The weather's getting bad. We need to get these grapes before before they're ruined. Until finally, all the way up at five o'clock in the evening, an hour before quitting time, he hires a few more guys. He says, hey, you guys come too. Like, oh, what, us? Yes, you, come work. So they put in the cheapest hour of the day, right? Everybody's just cleaning up, picking up sun's down, it's easy. And then, what do you know, the master of the vineyard goes and he has the audacity. He has the gall of paying everybody the exact same. And the response of those guys who are hired first, their response is that they grumble. They start grumbling at the master of the vineyard. And I don't know about you, but I can sympathize with them. I, too, am a recovering grumbler, see. I mean, it's interesting in the scriptures how many times grumbling comes up. Going back to the Old Testament, you have the Israelites as they get brought out of Egypt. They get brought out of slavery. They are freed. They are wandering through the wilderness. Yes, but they are going to the promised land. But you know what? Manna again, and they grumble against God. Why didn't we just go back to Egypt? Or you think in the New Testament, the, Jesus' story of the prodigal son, another one of these offensive stories that he tells. So you've got the, the younger son, he comes back, and the older son, when he sees that younger, dissolute son being welcomed back and received, what's the response of the older son? He grumbled it. Yes, so you think of the Pharisees when they see Jesus welcoming in and receiving tax collectors and sinners, and what's their response? They grumbling. Over and over and over again, we see this in the Scriptures. People responding to... Mm to God with grumbling. And I think the fact of the matter is that all of us sometimes can be grumblers. I hope recovering grumblers like myself. And so I wanna wanna help you today and I wanna help myself as we unpack this story of Jesus to give you four simple steps for recovering grumblers. I thought about doing 12 steps, but that seemed too long, okay? We're just gonna do four simple steps for recovering grumblers. I didn't say easy, see. They're not easy. They're simple. They're straightforward, but that doesn't mean that they're easy. Nor are these the kind of steps that you do them once and you put them behind ever after. This is a daily discipline for the people of God. But my hope is that by God's grace, you and I would be moving along this path from grumbling to gratitude, see, because that's where we find the fullness of joy in what God has done for us. All right, first step, step one, repent. Repent that you begrudge the generosity of God. Admit that in your heart of hearts, sometimes, sometimes you don't wanna tell anybody else this, but in your heart of hearts, you really kinda like the system with the two scales where we're just going to weigh good deeds against bad deeds, so that I can see that I am going to get what I deserve. We have to admit that we do sympathize with those laborers who were hired first in the story. I mean, look... These guys here, they had agreed to a denarius a day, and they go out into the into the fields, and they are working all day long. As they say, we bear the burden of the day and the scorching heat. They're the ones, this is before sunscreen, guys. They're the ones who are getting all the, the, the sunburns. They're the ones who are having to do all the heavy lifting. They are working all day long. And then you're going to tell me that these Johnny-come-latelys, okay, who are going to put in one measly hour, the easiest hour of the day when the sun has gone down, and Everybody's just kibbutz and chatting about what they're going to do after the workday is done. They're going to get paid. You're going to make them equal to us. It's not fair. Can you sympathize? We have to start by admitting that when we hear this story, we're with those first guys. This ain't right. I mean, in times right now. We are so prone and given to this begrudging the generosity of God and grumbling back to him. God, I didn't sign up to live in 2020. Hmm. Why couldn't I have lived in those easier times like in the Middle Ages? (laughs) Because they didn't get plagues back then. (laughs) Indeed. We have to admit that all of us sometimes find ourselves begrudging the generosity of God. Of course, we wouldn't put it that way. But when we, you know, thumb our noses at others, we say, well, I don't want that person to be forgiven. I don't want that person to be shown grace. Wait a second, that guy who has lived a horrible life, you're telling me he, be, he came to faith when he was 80? No, that doesn't count. I'm a Lutheran, I shouldn't believe in purgatory, but now I do. <laughs> We say, hey, wait a second. No, I'm the one who's always working, who's making sure that everything is is going all right. But you're going to tell me that that gal who just shows up for church on Sunday thinks she can get this free forgiveness, but she's not going to help out? No, I'm not so sure about that. We can all find ourselves, we don't want to admit it, but in our heart of hearts, begrudging God's generosity and thinking, I want to make sure that I get my just desserts. We can be like Sally Brown. You remember Sally Brown? the sister of Charlie Brown, and in her immortal lines from the Charlie Brown Christmas, you know, she says, well, Charlie's asking her what she's going to put on her Christmas list. And she says, you know, Santa, just give me 10s and 20s. (laughs) Make it easy on yourself. Charlie says, 10s and 20s. She says, yeah, that's right. All I want is what I have coming to me. All I want is my fair share. It's all of us sometimes sally brown thinking i just want my fair share friends step one is you and i need to repent because the reality is if you and i were to get our fair share i'm not so certain that we would want it what is our fair share scripture is very clear on this that if you and i were to get what we deserve what we deserve is temporal and eternal punishment what we deserve is death and hell What we deserve is for God to turn his face away from us and leave us to our own devices. Would you like to receive what you deserve for everything that goes around to come around back on your head, for every sin that you have committed for you to reap those rewards? I do not think so. So we need to start a step one, repent. Confess that pride that still lives in your heart. That you, even you, continue to begrudge the generosity of God. That's the first step. If we as recovering grumblers are going to be moving away from that grumbling, we need to repent. The second step follows fast on its heels. And that is that we need to recognize. Recognize that we don't want to get what we deserve. Recognize that we don't want to get what we deserve, that those just desserts are not delicious. It's like Velveeta ice cream. We want to spit it out of our mouth. Don't try that, by the way. Just don't do it. Our just desserts are not what we want. We do not want to get what we deserve. And here, I think we have to look to those guys who are hired in the middle of the day. They're just hanging out. It's 12 o'clock. It's 12 noon. The sun is high. They're wondering, man, am I going to be able to make a buck today today? And the master of the vineyard comes out and says, hey, come on, I'll hire you. I'm going to give you whatever is right. He doesn't even lay out an amount that they're going to get. Whatever is right. And they're like, sure, great. Anything is good. They're just happy to be there. It reminds me of the guy I talked to a couple weeks ago with the family. We went over to, to Crystal Mountain up to the Alpine Slide. Any of you guys ever done the Alpine Slide at Crystal Mountain? You should. I don't care how old you are. You should. It is so much fun but we went there and of course the line is so long and it's a physically distanced line so it looks like it's going about a half mile right <laughs> people are waiting hours to go up there we finally get up there and there, you know there's another line there's a line after the line right it's like Jerry seinfeld used to say you've got the waiting room which is just waiting until you go to the smaller waiting room with no pants on anyway uh, <clears throat> so you're we're, we're up there on top of the mountain and there's this poor guy who works there for Crystal Mountain. And his job is basically to scold children all day and just to tell every, remind everybody of all the rules over and over and over again. And I'm really feeling for this guy and I'm chatting with him a little bit. Like, man, this is, I gotta I got hand it to you, this is, this is a tough job. You gotta do this all day long. And he says, you know what? I'm just happy to have a job right now. And it took me aback and it, it kind of reminded me, oh yeah, don't take that for granted, see. That's these workers who are hired in the middle of the day. They're just happy to be here. They're happy to have a gig. But then, lo and behold, they find at the end of the day, they are getting a full day's wage. They're like, whoa, we are not getting what we deserve. And that's good news. This is the second step for you and me as we move as recovering grumblers away from that grumbling to recognize that we don't get what we deserve, and that is a very good thing. I think of the hymn we sang just a moment ago that our Lord Jesus was never grudging for the lost ones. He did not look at you and me and say, all right, I'm going to make them, I'm going to forgive them, all right but I'm going to make them real pay pay for this, feel it a little bit before I give them forgiveness. No, never grudging for the lost ones. Or you think of the words of Psalm 103, which says that God does not pay to us, deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. God does not give you and me our just desserts. He, He is the death of karma, That awful ironclad rule that says, what you reap, you will sow. According to Christ Jesus, now that law has been buried. You don't have to fear anymore that the other shoe is going to drop. You don't have to fear anymore that those skeletons in the closet are going to haunt you now and eternally. Christ Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, has taken those skeletons and buried them six feet under. Unlike him, never to rise again. Christ Jesus does not give to you and me as we deserve. And that is very good news indeed. And so this second step is for us to recognize that, uh, to marinate in the mercy of God every day, to delight in His undeserved kindness. That's step two. Now step three, for all of us recovering crumblers is to resolve, to resolve then, to share this undeserved kindness with anyone and everyone. And when I think about what that looks like, I get a very strange picture in my mind, just another, gonna give you another glimpse into pastor's weird thinking. I picture the t-shirt cannon guy. You guys know the t-shirt cannon guy? You know, when you go to the ball game or you go to a concert back in those days when we did these things, the t-shirt cannon guy is the one who comes out with a really cheap t-shirt that nobody would actually buy. It's oversized. It's just white. It's got a little screen printing on it. But suddenly, everybody wants this t-shirt so bad. And t-shirt cannon guy, he's out there, you want one, you want one, boom, 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 boom. Everybody loves t-shirt cannon guy. He comes bestowing boons upon all of the, the grateful subjects out in the crowd. Friends, as Christians, as those who have heard this good news of Jesus, you and I get to be t shirt cannon guys of God's grace. Isn't that fun? Like we get to go out into the world and say, You get some forgiveness, you get some forgiveness, boom, boom, boom. People are like, Yes! Nobody loves to see the guy who comes and says, You get some judgment, you get some judgment, you get some judgment. But when we give, as we have been given to, Jesus says, freely you have received, freely give. Go out like the t-shirt cannon guy, spread abroad this forgiveness that you have received. Now, I'm going to conjecture here for a minute, but I think this is is what the foreman is like in the story. We don't get hardly any details about the foreman. We just know that he's told by the master, okay, look, I want you to go and to pay everybody, starting with the last and then moving up to the first, whatever I give you to give them. And so I imagine the foreman getting this, you know, big fat envelope and thinking, wait a second, you know, how much is he going to give these last guys? And, you know, he's looking in there a little bit. He knows he shouldn't, but he can't help himself. And he sees, holy cats, he's paying the first guys the same that he's paying the the last. This is crazy. I think in that moment, he's probably got two thoughts. The first thought is, we're not going to be in business very long. This is no way for us to run a successful, profitable enterprise. But I think, or I hope, that his second thought would be, boy, and I want to be somebody like that, who gives so generously, who shares freely with others. I mentioned Charlie Brown Christmas. Let me give you another Christmas example here, because I don't know, it's September, I guess I'm ready for the holidays, I'm not sure. But you think of Ebenezer Scrooge, right? And it's kind of too bad that we associate Ebenezer Scrooge with being what? The quintessential miser, right? And he is at the beginning of the story. But then he has this encounter with grace. He doesn't get what he deserves, what he recognizes he deserves. He repents. He recognizes what a blessing it is that he's not getting what he deserves. And then he resolves to share that grace and that blessing with anyone and everyone, not least Bob Cratchit and his family, right? He's running out, he's a changed man. He wants to just share with anyone and everyone. He becomes a t-shirt cannon guy of good news. That's what it looks like for you and me to resolve to give to others as we have been given to. That's what continues this transformation as recovering grumblers. It's that we say, oh, thank you, Lord, for giving to me. Give me opportunities. Give me eyes to see how I can share this with others. To keep eyes open in your day to day life, who is it that needs a little cup of cool water? Who is it that is just kind of dragging their feet? Or, you know, you can tell sometimes with somebody's body, their head is just kind of um, pulled down a little bit. Who is it that I can share some more good news and compassion with to give as I have been given to? That's the third step for the recovering grumblers, Recon- re- resolving to share. The fourth one is this. We have started with repentance, then we've moved to to this recognition and then resolving. Then finally, responding daily, responding daily with astonished, awe filled gratitude. Like those last guys, the ones who are hired last. Just imagine how grateful they must have been. Our translation says that they were idle. But that's not quite right. The word literally means unhired. And why have they been unhired? Because they are the bottom of the barrel. They are the least competent, least capable of all the workers. Nobody wants to hire them. And yet here this master not only hires them, but treats them like they're the employees of the year, like they're the all-stars. How their hearts must have been filled with gratitude and gratefulness, recognizing how abounding, super-abounding is the favor of this master. And how much more so for you and for me, each and every day, even especially when things don't seem to be easy, when they don't seem to be going our way, still recognizing and responding with gratitude. And I'll close with this. I wrote about this in this week's Inklings. So if you read that already, just bear with me. I told the story of 100-year-old Helen Cedarholm member of our church who passed away a couple of weeks ago. And you know, Helen, you think, wow, 100 years old, she must have had a great life, a long life. Don't we all want to live to be 100? Well, maybe not. But even still, you know, she did not have an easy life, not by any stretch of the imagination. She was born in 1919. And when she was 13, her father passed away. And here she was in the Great Depression, just her and her mom. Couldn't uh, rub two dimes together, she said. That was how they had to make things work, but they did, they survived. And as she got older, she got married, but then she became a young widow. I think she was in her late thirties, maybe her early forties when her husband passed away. So now she's got to figure things out on her own, try to make things work. And she did that for a number of years. Then she got married a second time in her fifties. And that husband too, she outlived him as well. All of her friends, She had to see, pass away, and even one of her daughters, she did not have an easy life by any stretch of the imagination. But from the first moment that I met Helen, I could tell that hers was a life marked with gratitude, with gratefulness. And the thing that will most endure in my memory about her is the question that she would ask me pretty much every time we got together. She would, she would look at me after re- recounting this or that story and reminiscing about this or that thing. She would look at me with these eyes, almost pleading with me, and she'd say, Pastor, who will help me to count up all of these blessings? How am I going to count up all of these blessings? She knew what it was to live with gratitude, to recognize, boy, we don't get what we deserve. And that is good news indeed. So I hope that you will continue with me on the journey of being recovering grumblers, realizing that we have been given more than we could ever ask for or imagine, and awaking every day with that astonished, awe-filled sense of gratitude. My biggest problem is how am I going to count up all of these blessings? Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to confess our faith.